One topic, two chicks, three points of view. What does it really mean to do time? Police emergency. Life in prison. Keeping people safe is the first duty of government. Oi, oi. You can get spies, you can get heroin, you can get crack. It is criminality, pure and simple. I'm facing time. It's not on the hiring it's common scars. I don't know how long it could be, four years, ten years. There's not one solution. Could be life. Who cares for the men behind these doors? Bird. Welcome to episode six of Bird. We're Nina and Kate, and as usual, we'll be investigating all things prison and social justice by chatting to former prisoners, prison staff and political lobbyists. This time, we're talking about rehabilitation. The criminal justice system in the UK is largely punitive. In this episode, our three guests will share their thoughts on rehabilitation, the problem with not addressing the root causes of offending, and their hopes for the future. It all started with doing something naughty. I, I got involved in a big fight back in 2011. The fight wasn't my doing to start off with, so I got involved next to you know, joint enterprise in the black of a police van. That's LJ, founder of Cell Workout, an idea that started from a prison cell and grew into a business and social enterprise following his release from prison in 2012. But I did have to have a take a look at myself when I went to prison. When you do go to jail, you have everything taken away from you. But you've got to find out who you are as a person a little bit, you know. When I get out, I need to try and make things right. And I knew it was going to be that, that much harder. For me, rehabilitation was about, you know, I guess it was a second chance. LJ has written a fitness book designed for use in a confined space without gym equipment. He also delivers motivational workshops in prisons to encourage self-improvement, improve rehabilitation, reduce reoffending, and promote former prisoner employment. I actually really struggle with the word rehabilitation um, for many reasons. I guess firstly this idea that people are habilitated in the first place, that, that they've kind of gone through school and they've gone through education and they know the right path and then with that they kind of wander away and then we rehabilitate them back to where they started. I don't think everyone is in that situation. I think people haven't necessarily been habilitated in terms of kind of belong to society in the first place. So in, in that sense I really struggle with the word. That's Dr Sarah Lewis, Director of Penal Reform Solutions. Sarah is currently working for the Council of Europe as well as at HMP Guys Marsh. She's the founder of the Prison Growth Project, which embraces staff and residents of prison to bring change to their environment. It draws on learnings from Nordic prisons to create safer and more humane environments. Take the word itself, it's rehabilitation, that's two words. So I guess it's what context you're going to take it in. If you're going to rehabilitate somebody, that means you're habilitating them to something that there was before. Take it in, in the criminal justice setting and you look at a lot of the people that are in prison, they come from marginalised backgrounds, traumatised backgrounds, absent dads, broken relationships. Was they, was they habilitated in the first place? So can you rehabilitate someone that's not habilitated? That's Jason. Jason echoes Sarah's view around rehabilitation. Jason was first sent to custody on his 14th birthday and continued to be in and out of prison until his late 30s. Jason now works as a community support worker and has a passion for poetry, sharing his experiences and inspiring others through spoken word. 
I think rehabilitation is individual to each person. I don't think there's one, one size fits all. Like, what is rehabilitation to each individual? It could be not committing a crime again, or it could be not taking that drug again, or it could be whatever that temptation is for them to not do, which if you've got an addiction, you'll have to probably live with that for the rest of your life. I think people can't cope. We need to understand why they can't cope. You know, it's not just about someone who's got an addiction to spice or an addiction to heroin. It's about what's going on for that individual. What are they trying to escape from? What are they trying to run away from? That's the stuff we need to sit down and understand people and listen to them and see them. All the time we don't, all the time we ignore them and hurt them. You know, we're failing. We're failing as a society, in my view. Prison has a poor record for reducing reoffending. Nearly half of adults, 48%, are reconvicted within one year of release. For those serving sentences of less than 12 months, this increases to 64%. Jason talks about some of the reasons behind this. I believe there's not just one answer to it, but there's lots of answers. The offending rate is so high because the issues of why they're offending in the first place are not being addressed. And that's because people are trying to rehabilitate instead of habilitate. There's a difference. If they're trying to rehabilitate, then address the underlying issues. What was it like growing up without a dad? What was it like being punished or abused? Things that you're seeing. How are you handling your dyslexia, your mental illness, your learning disability? These are not addressed so much. The prison population has risen by 77% in the last 30 years. Many are released from prison only to return there shortly after. As a result, the number of people recalled back to custody has increased. Sarah believes the rehabilitation approaches in prison need to be drastically reformed. I think if we're to be successful, I need to think we need to focus on this philosophy of rehabilitation rather than looking at it in terms of punishment. We need to create safer spaces for people to live in because it's, I think people are part of the problem, but I think people are also part of the solution. And in some senses, the punishment is the sentence alone and the environment is as normal to society as possible really. For me I think we need to dispel the myth that prison needs to be a place that is hard and painful and difficult because let's face it if we're rehabilitating in any way whether that's recovering from alcoholism or a drug addiction or whatever it may be we do that if we have conditions the right conditions around us if we have trust if we have a space where we can feel safe and I think that's really really important when it comes to creating prisons as a place to support rehabilitation. Jason and LJ share their own experiences of rehabilitation in prison. I'm not naming any names like rehabilitation courses in jail that are just so naff, you know, that really are meaningless. I can say I went to a couple of them just so I can get it on my record to say he's completed that course, he might be able to get his HDC or he might be able to move on to a different category prison. People just do it to tick a box. If prisons are there to stop offending and to help people integrate into society and to live some form of stability, then if that's what prison's for, then allowing that to happen with a relay rehabilitation, it must happen. If it doesn't, then prison is just a warehouse. I believe at the moment that's what it's looking like. It's an emancipation, it's an uncovering, it's an uncovering of the self to be able to learn, to see, and learn the best way to learn is with an open mind. But if you've got a hard shell, you're not open, and I think um, prisons are one of the worst places for someone to grow. Sarah felt there was an absence of rehabilitation in our UK prisons. She'd almost lost faith in the system until she visited Bastoy Prison in Norway, which reignited her hope 
that rehabilitation in custody is possible. Norway was completely inspiring and it, it kind of opened my eyes to what prisons can be like. They can be meaningful places, they can be safe places, they can be places that don't have violence. And um, I think in that sense, places like Bastoy, places like Halden Prison, I think they support rehabilitation. It's the focus from the minute you step in that door, we need to think about how you get out the other side and you don't want to commit crime. And this idea that rehabilitation is really easy and soft. You know, rehabilitation is not easy. Anyone who's, like I say, anyone who's gone through an alcohol problem, rehabilitating from that, recovering from that is really probably one of the hardest things we ever do. And I think this idea that rehabilitation is, is easy is, needs to be completely and utterly knocked out. You know, I think it's a really, really tough option to confront the mistakes you made, to look at the shame and the guilt associated with what people have done and the harm they've created to other people. That's not a soft option, but we need to create an environment where people can actually honestly talk about that and talk about what they've experienced and why they did what they do. So um, I think it's a lot about perception, it's a lot about um, understanding and education, and it's a lot about power and empowering people um, to be part of the solution. The conditions are not conducive to rehabilitation. We do not create environments that are spaces of growth, we create conditions that are harmful um, and that make people worse. But for me, if we apply that Norwegian thinking, if we look at our conditions, if we work on developing those conditions, I think we can have healthier prisons, I think we can have less harm and I think prisons have hope. Sarah returned from Bastoy, determined to implement the experiences of Norway into our UK prison culture. Research identifies that meaningful work and relationships are key factors in people moving away from crime. With this in mind, Sarah created an innovative project which looks to really understand people in prison and create conditions that support growth. So the growth project started two years ago really um, and it was about how we can engage residents at a prison and staff at a prison to be the change and be the people that find the solutions based on their knowledge and their experience. And we kind of used research to inform our ideas. We focused on principles of growth which is all around meaningful relationships, meaningful work, creating positive climates and it's all about creating that positive culture and that positive identity. And we have seen a different Two years ago I walked into this prison and it was so sad to listen to the, the stories of staff who cry in their cars after work, who struggle with post-traumatic stress, having found people hanging, who have got all of that trauma attached to them in light of the place in which they work, um, seeing prisoners that self-harm and find that environment really, really difficult. I think we need to think about things differently and for me, the growth project is about saying right these are the issues these are the root causes of why people commit crime how can we create these conditions and how we can involve people in that in those answers really to come up with a better space where people can grow growth project recruits residents and staff in prisons to examine and reform culture so that's that's basically our remit our remit is that we keep going we believe in change and we believe in those principles of growth so it's about treating people decently humanely and bringing meaning into prisons and these individuals in terms of the group that I've currently got in prison at the moment, we've got those individuals that they get that support, they get to pursue meaningful work to help reform prisons, to make help make an impact and to help nurture, I guess, their own identities. But the growth project is so much wider than that. 
it's all about giving back it's all about the whole environment of that prison uh, it's about working in a much more broader way to influence an entire organization so whilst we do work with those individuals in terms of their identity we also create an environment which will impact on everyone that steps into that prison and you can feel it it's really it's a really odd thing that you can't really maybe convey through language but when you step into the prison people say it's hope that's or an energy of some kind that's in the prison but things are changing and people believe in that um, and that makes people more motivated it makes people more engaged it makes people understand you know it's the right thing to do but for me the growth project is all about bringing everyone together it's about getting healthcare involved getting education involved getting the community getting families involved in how we can change an organization the growth project is all about growing everyone who enters that prism so that when they go out ultimately they they'll think differently about who they are as an individual during inspections in 2017 to 2018, inspectors found that in too many prisons, work remains mundane, repetitive, and is rarely linked to resettlement objectives. Only two in five prisons received a positive rating from inspectors for purposeful activity work. LJ discusses how important having meaningful work was for him in prison. For me, the absolute turning point was getting onto the um, personal training course in Pentonville. I got on quite well with the gym team and big application process from all the people in the jail. You can imagine how many people went to get that qualification. When I go and do my talks in prison, I tell people there was 40 people that done that level one, two and three personal training. Four people qualified. It was all down to commitment. It had been given this course, which might cost three grand, which had been given to me. You know, I thought, I don't want to abuse that. Once I got onto that qualification, I sort of changed my mindset that I wasn't in prison, I was in college. So I'd go for my college morning theory, I'd come back to my cell to do my coursework, go back for my practical in the afternoon, come back, eat my food and all the healthier choices I can do. It was having that change that sort of really, really helped me. Engagement with education can significantly reduce reoffending. The one year reoffending rate is 34% for prison learners compared to 43% for people who don't engage in any form of learning activity. We discussed with our guests the impact of meaningful relationships and the role they play in a rehabilitative society in prisons. The way in which we see prison. Prison is portrayed in a very specific way in the media and that's not what prison always looks like. You know, there are people, and I've met so many people, that are talented, that are respectful, that are kind people. And, and the public don't see that talent and they don't see what the individuals in prison can contribute to society and to their prison community. So the way in which we see prison, I think, is a massive obstacle. People are the biggest resource, whether that's a prisoner that counsels and supports their peers, whether that's staff who build positive relationships on a day-to-day -day basis that's what rehabilitation is it needs to be designed into all of the fabric and identity of an, of an institution for years I've been reading books started writing in 2003 I so I learned a lot of things so upon a realization in 2013 I need to change myself I drew on all of the courses that I've done and all the things I've read and got the understanding that I needed to gain those sources of light in the prison system that I could. So I'd be talking to somebody that was a visitor for an organisation delivering something and I'll be looking at them, looking at their point of view, seeing how they are and getting my head around that. Often adopting some things myself, uh, internalising. Chapel service, they was a big help. Geese Theatre, they would come into the prison, that was a help. Safe ground, they would come into prison. People that I'd write to, I'd write to the Costa Trust, um, Prison Reform Trust, 
individuals that would help even sometimes the officers because I would see differently from their point of view and have a conversation on a different level so people helped me maybe they wasn't aware of it and that one opportunity I was given from that gym officer in Pentonville if it wasn't for him I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now I think there's also this idea that when, when a crime takes place there is a rupture and it's about mending that to create an opportunity of growth. Restorative justice is a great example of that. We don't use it enough, we don't inject it into our prisons as much as we can, but I think there is something about mending relationships that's really important. I think there's also barriers in terms of shaming individuals. Shaming is seen to increase the risk of re-offending. Stigmatising people is seen to increase the risk of, of re-offending because ultimately people just distance themselves and the more you distance yourself away from someone the more likely you are to then be able to hurt them or objectify them or um, create harm. In the same way that people are part of our solution, people are also part of our problem. I think there's people that are blockers, people that hate the idea of rehabilitation, this idea that you deserve to be punished and you deserve to be hurt. Um, these, these individuals undermine, I guess, rehabilitation and it's about education, it's about that lack of understanding about what actually helps change people and grow people and, you know, encourage people to move away from crime so that they don't go out and they commit further offences. So I think a lack of understanding and a lack of education is, is a real big problem. Jason sees the importance of ensuring supportive relationships and work are carried through into the community on release. In the work that I do as a community support worker, one thing I see, people get out, and I know for myself as well, people get out with the best intentions. What do they do in the meantime, between times? So, just saying the devil makes it work for other hands. Whereas in prison, communication is a bang on the wall away. Whereas in an outside, people are caught up in all of their things and also there's a stigma of being an ex-prisoner as well. Often it's very lonely for people. Many people have said to me a lot of times, I've had enough of this, I just want to go back to prison, it's easier. And I can see how they struggle with that because of the loneliness and the struggle of trying to get somewhere, which is it's very hard. The book took me three and a half years to do after getting out of jail, which was quite a lengthy time to write something. Once the book was finally finished. My aim is to get the book into as many prisons, to help as many prisons as possible. And it had a, a negative backlash from, from prison personnel, be that officers, governors, the MOJ in its whole. And uh, I thought, don't say positive here because it's going to help people. And when I kept going, kept going, then it got the traction it's got now. And then it sort of opened up the gates to like, all right, I can now work in prison, I can now get the book in there. But it didn't, you know, the, for the positive thing that I think it is, and then the response I have back now, that wasn't what I got from the early days. It was like basically shut down really, which is a shame. If society shared the belief that people can change, it would have such a huge impact on rehabilitation. By sharing these ideas, we can promote positive conversations about people in prison and work together to support one another. I believe absolutely that people can change and in the 14 years I've worked within criminal justice I have never met someone who I don't believe could lead a happy life and not, you know, go on to not commit crime. I absolutely believe in change. Um, I believe people can lead a life without crime. I think it's really, really difficult. We sometimes underestimate how long that's going to take. If you've, if you've been let down historically throughout your life, 
and you've got trauma in your life and you've got all of this stuff that you carry with you and you don't resolve that in terms of then resolving it that's a long game that's a long investment that's a lot of therapy that's a lot of work sometimes we just think it's going to be a 12-week program that we're going to give like an antibiotic and at the end of it they're going to be fixed people it's completely unrealistic i think we need to really realize that desistance is a rocky road it's not only about making that decision it's about maintaining it and i think that's the hardest thing is about maintaining that decision to not move away from crime when all those obstacles start hitting you in the face to say I'm gonna keep going and I'm gonna get over that obstacle you know if we look at the backgrounds of the men in, and women in our care in prisons they have been utterly let down um, you know at school at home um, by the prison maybe itself and I think once we address those things then we can start thinking about whether someone can be completely rehabilitated. How can you persuade society to put more money into addressing the offender when, hold on, that's the offender, should be for the victim, and not, yeah, victims should get supported. However, to stop the cycle, we need to throw lots of money into finding and searching out and dealing with the underlying issues. A kinder society is key. Rehabilitation must carry on beyond the prison gates if it is to be successful. I guess I've become a little bit of an advocator or poster boy, as you like, for this sort of rehabilitation side of prison, but a lot of people get out of jail and it's there, they don't want to talk about it again, and I guess I've sort of had to because that is what my work is. Hopefully with my work it showed to people not all prisoners are wrong'uns and you can come out and do something positive and give back. I've had people's family write to me, friends, people write to me direct from jail just saying I've I've seen how you've gone about things, I want to go about it in this area, but I've took a bit of inspiration from what you've done and I think if that can follow through to some people and if he's done it, I can do it. If I can be that to someone, then it's been worthwhile. My whole sort of future for the criminal justice system is to also involve the wider society or the wider society become more involved in the criminal justice system. The IFN inmates will continue. If someone's got nowhere to live, what they're going to do. If someone's not supported out there, if society as a whole is not going to get involved. So my hope would be for more employers to get involved, to give opportunities to people, and also for prisons themselves to make prisoners more aware of what they're going to actually face. A lot of prisoners now, they think they're just going to get somewhere to live, but yet they're getting out and the homeless go to the council, declare themselves homeless, and the council is saying homeless, but we haven't got duty of care, you feel well anyway. As always on Bird, we want to focus on solutions and how we can look forward and create change. We have heard how important meaningful relationships and purposeful activity are in prison to contribute to a safer and more humane culture. We need to invest in prisons. I think we need to give staff and specifically governors voices and power to change their environments and change the places where they govern. But also I think we need to get the residents involved in terms of finding the solutions. So again about giving them a voice and giving them some kind of power in terms of getting those, getting those solutions out there. In HMP Pentonville, staff have developed a forum for prisoners to meet with the wing management to discuss their issues and concerns, and suggest solutions. This not only encourages active citizenship, but is enabling more positive relationships between staff and inmates. Pentonville also collaborates with the University of Westminster's Making Links programme. This enables social science students to learn alongside inmates in the prison establishment for one semester.
Prisoners are able to achieve a level 3 qualification in British Convicts Criminology, which can contribute to a foundation degree in criminology. LJ has been able to bring his cell workout programme into prisons. Prisoners engage through fitness and motivational goal setting during an intensive two-week coaching programme, which was piloted in HMP Wandsworth in 2017. You know, them people with lived experience working with people in jail, like I worked over a six month period, I worked with 150 inmates. Some of them was there for the, for the ride for the two weeks, some of them was there for the book and the t-shirt. But other people was really getting involved and I can tell the people that are into it and the people that are not working with those people more directly and hopefully try and give them work experience or a job upon release. The idea of me employing ex-offenders in the fitness industry I'd like them people to work in communities to try and prevent people from going to jail. That's the sort of concept there. LJ is currently showcasing his cell workout programme throughout the UK prison system, holding taster workshops across establishments. More prisons are recognising the impact sport and exercise can have. Park Run organised free weekly 5k timed runs around the world. Last year, they started looking into establishing a park run at Feltham Young Offenders Institute. 46 participants took part in the first event. This includes runners and the rest acting as volunteers in roles including timekeepers and marshals. This initiative will carry on as part of the gym programme every Saturday. Sarah shares some of the success stories of the growth project. Got a guy called Cam who has written and directed a screenplay to over 250 people, so they're coming from the community, families, residents, all about SPICE, so it's all about how we as a community can stand up against SPICE. So that's what one resident has done, he's raised over £1,000 for charity, the whole cast were residents and it was absolutely fantastic. It was a play called Choices and really, really a massive, massive achievement for him. I got another guy called Noel who's developed a mindful-based yoga course. He's been in prison over 10 years but found yoga, qualified as a yoga practitioner and now he follows that path and, and he's created the most incredible mindful-based yoga course that's all linked to rehabilitation and he's done that whilst in prison. Also got another guy, he's a lifer, called Nicky, who is just... Um, a real talented, really talented person and he's developed a peer-led SPICE programme, again looking at how we can get the whole prison involved in terms of dealing with this horrendous epidemic of SPICE that we have in our prisons. And then finally a guy who's been released now for about two months, so he's, he was an artist in prison um, and his art brought hope and positivity to prison when he was there and he's got a, a job lined up, hopefully on Friday he's going for, to be a drug worker. So you know there's so many success stories. There's so many people that have succeeded in the work that they do and I think it boils down to meaningful stuff, finding stuff that they really believe in. Just like Sarah, we can learn from the successes of other rehabilitative approaches. Norway's humane approach towards prisoners seems effective. Only 20% of prisoners are reconvicted within two years, which is half that of the UK's reconviction rate. Having the right conditions and a safe space in prisons to support rehabilitation, people can go on to live a life away from crime. Here's Jason sharing a piece of spoken word about rehabilitation with us. To rehabilitate is a proactive word. To re-rehabilitate is a redoing verb. To habilitate implies learning or teaching abilities, but put the re on habilitate and you get a how-to meet certain needs. Needs must for who, what, where and why, because a man with no job is way to become bars in the sky. So let's get specific and start the targeting, and leave behind the pigeonholes prisoners keep falling in. 
Go for the ice cold course so we can explore and blocking the areas never foresaw or saw before. Come lace your boots tight and boldly tread a path and not stressing a blessing because the drawback is never to laugh. We passed the tears, fell throughout the years, or soaked into prison walls along with our fears. But it's time now to move up from our peers and throw down the glove and fight the face in the mirror that leers. It's wrong those highs of bundle cash touches, you know, those are drilling by the clover field rushes. It's wrong when people using black plastic toys. You can see and smell the fear, there's no disguise. So good starts to be someone clean in your own eyes. Pristine, clear clarity, clearly now's the time to start. Our youth education is falling behind bars. So here is the formula for our rehabilitation. Don't give that mental finger saying, forget the nation. No matter the trials and tribulations thrown at us, you have got to self-actualize and fly free without falling like Icarus. A huge thank you to LJ, Sarah and Jason for taking their time to contribute towards this episode and we hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Thanks to the Leaf Library for the music today and shout out to Lewis Young for production support. We'd like to say a big welcome and thank you to our new social media specialist, Emily. You can see Jason in the flesh at Unchained Nights, an event founded by the guest of our fifth episode, Lady Unchained. Keep your eyes peeled for the next event on Instagram and Twitter by searching Unchained Poetry or see Jason's own Instagram page, at wordsmith212. You can hear more from Dr Sarah Lewis on Twitter by searching Penal Reform Solutions or by visiting penalreformsolutions.com. Find LJ on Instagram at cellworkout and cellworkout.com. Get his book now on Amazon. Expect social justice info, stats and prison insights from Bird on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Bird Podcast. Send us comments, feedback or suggestions for the next podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at whatitmeanstodotime at gmail.com or visit our website www.birdpodcast.co.uk. See you next time on Bird.